Welcome to the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast, where each week we hope to raise the bar for youth ministry by asking questions, interviewing thinkers, and just having some real honest conversations about what it looks like to lead this next generation. I am Brett. I'm excited to be with you today. And this week, I am joined with Ashley. Hey! And by Charlie. Hey, friends. And our friend Kara Powell. Hello. So Kara, in case there's someone listening who's not familiar with you and what you do, you work out in California. Yes. The California West Coast. California girl. Southern California, even. <laughs> and it didn't take Ashley that long to begin singing. There are a lot of songs written about girls from Cal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't represent any of the lyrics that are in, the, in those songs, just to clarify. So if someone isn't familiar with FYI, Fuller Youth Institute, can you give us a little rundown of what that is, what you do there? Yeah, we're part of Fuller Seminary. And what we do at our team is we take the best research that Fuller and others are doing and turn it into practical resources. So we love understanding the tough questions that youth leaders like listeners today are wrestling with and then trying to figure out the best proven and practical answers to those questions. Very cool. And how long have you been doing that? About 12 years. 12 years. What did you do before that? I was a professor at Azusa Pacific University and then a youth pastor at uh, two churches before that. Always in California? Always in California. The nation of California. Please don't hold that against me. But yes, always in California. Crazy <laughs> California. Smart. I do like our weather. That weather. It's man. expensive to live there, but I do like our weather. And not only have you spent all this time in ministry world, but you are a mom. I am a mom. Our kids are 17, 15, and 11. So 17, our 17-year-old is a and junior, yeah. and then a ninth grader and a sixth grader. And just today, I got my first email from my 11th grader's college counselor. So it's Ooh, all getting that's real. That's big stuff. It's getting real that he's going to be done You're with high school soon. Research. I am living this research, especially when it comes to youth group graduates transitioning out of high school and headed to Which college. Which is the perfect segue because today we are talking about why graduation isn't the finish line. Right. Now, plenty of times in youth ministry, I think that whether we verbalize that or not in, in, in practice, that's sort of the way that we operate. That's mm-hmm. the way that we program. That's the way that our strategy tends to line up is, all right, I want to do everything I can for these four years, these nine years, these six years, whatever the structure of that ministry looks like. And then hopefully I've built the paper airplane the way it's supposed to be built and then I'll throw it out the window and it's going to fly forever. Soar. And it doesn't usually happen yeah, that way. Yeah, absolutely, Brett. You know, a lot of great research done by others indicates that about half of youth group graduates, somewhere between 40 to 50% of youth graduates, like youth group graduates from great churches like those mm-hmm. of listeners today, about half drift from God and the church after they graduate from hmm. high school. And as a mom and a leader and a follower of Jesus, I'm not satisfied with that. And neither was our team at the Fuller Youth Institute. So we tried to study what happens to youth group graduates during their first three years in college. I used to say through their junior year in college, but first three years of college <laughs> junior year, not always the same thing. Yeah, uh-huh. I like that language better. Yeah, first three That's years great. of college to try to figure out what youth leaders could do to build long-term faith or what we often call sticky faith. Yeah, and, and we're not just talking about data in this circle yeah. because, you know, as, as we all know, because we've experienced ministry, we can think of names. We can think of people for you specifically talking about, you Nathan. have a, a child yeah. who is about to head into in graduation grade. time Absolutely. and Charlie has a daughter yeah. she's that a just graduated in, this last year yeah, and she's a freshman ventured in college. into college. Yeah. 
So this isn't just, you know, I think a lot of times the challenge that people have with research or, or, or with data, it feels cold to feels them. It feels abstract yeah. often. But these, these are names yep. I'm sure we can all think of. I mean, I can think of kids that graduated from my ministry two, four, six, eight, eight years ago. Who do we appreciate? That, Sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't resist. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Come on, it came I, to your I mind, too. Walked, you know it. I walked you know right it. into that one. Sorry. Anyway, graduated two, four, six, or some number of years ago. Yeah. And, and so I, it, it's not, these aren't just numbers on, on a page. These are, these are experiences, and these are mm-hmm. kind of what... The, the systems, in a sense, that we've created that need to be rethought yep. and, and readjusted for us to be more successful at what we all want to do better, right? but we've just struggled with. I think all of us have been in student ministry for a decade or more can see faces when you talk about oh, yeah. these numbers and the statistics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A face pops in front of our minds when we think about this. So you say, you know, about half walk away from that. So what is the research saying about those youth group graduates? What, what are they experiencing? What, what's, what's causing, you know, those half to kind of walk away from what they probably would have said was a good experience in, in high school and middle school in their ministries? Yeah, great question. So when we studied these 500 youth group graduates during their first three years in college, we asked them, how many of you felt like your youth group, your home church, prepared your, you and your faith for what you were going to face in college? Mm. And honestly, the number who felt prepared was even lower than we were expected. About one in seven wow. youth group graduates felt like their church, their youth ministry had prepared them and their faith for what they were going to face in college. Yet... The more students felt prepared, there was a relationship between them feeling prepared and faring well in both life adjustment as well as faith adjustment. Hmm. So bottom line is preparing youth group graduates, thinking ahead now about what we want for our our graduates is important, and yet it's not happening enough. So when when we talk about that, preparing them for graduation... What, what comes to my mind that sometimes makes me cringe a little bit is that the, the response to that in a lot of ministries is just going to be, we got to get them the right answers. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. I got to prepare them. They, I, they need to know the right answers Intellectual better. preparation. It, it focuses way more on apologetics, yeah. checking things off a box, and being prepared to battle that evil professor when they get... But that's not what you're talking about necessarily when it comes to preparing them for graduation. No, that was not the primary narrative in what youth group graduates were saying. That was certainly a narrative, but it wasn't one of the top narratives. Instead, what they said, and in fact, when we asked students what advice they'd give youth leaders, their number one advice was to prepare us better. Hmm. I mean, so that's what youth group graduates are asking of us as youth leaders Mm -hmm. is to prepare them better. But they don't mean just an intellectual preparation. They mean a relational preparation. They mean preparation and navigating what it means to find a new church. Um, So it's really a holistic preparation, not just an intellectual preparation. Awesome. My daughter Hadley is a freshman in college, and the first two months of college, she Ubered herself all around Atlanta, trying out different churches, different college ministries, because she yearned for community because that's what she had in church. She had a small group. She had a high school ministry that went out to eat every Wednesday. And instead of finding a church, you can fall into other traps. Absolutely. Looking for community. Yeah. Um, And I think that a lot of students wouldn't take the chance or do the research that Hadley did um, with her Ubering herself around town. But I think that the yearning for that was so 
ingrained in her mm-hmm. that she searched and searched till she found something. Mm-hmm. So she had had such a positive experience before she graduated that she was looking to replicate that and knew it could be best replicated inside the church. Absolutely. That's was wonderful. that something you kind of walked through her with like what was she supposed to look for in a new church? I didn't. You know, she's been in a small group with the same small group leader and the same girls since sixth grade. And I think that consistent small group and that relationships led her to want to be in something like that in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think that I know that that was a conversation I had a lot of times with, with students or with parents or leaders about small groups is, Hey, we, we know that week in and week out, you're not having life changing faith conversations and groups. But one of the things that you are doing is you're, you're helping to create patterns and cycles of mm-hmm. them to be able to understand that this is what faith community looks like. Mm-hmm. And yes. hopefully if we're setting up those systems in our churches, where from elementary school on, they're, they're being nurtured and developed in these small communities, they're not going to know how to do life and how to do faith not being connected apart to from that. that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So just a curiosity, Charlie, did Hadley find a church that she that connected did? With her? And when she connected, she then, um, two girls from her small group are in college with her. Mm-hmm. And so she's rounded those up. I have an adopted daughter that's in a local college that lives at home. We give her gas money and she drives to downtown Atlanta each week. Wow, that's awesome. And so it's not only Hadley, but she has got her friends together mm-hmm. and they're all attending a service. So what, what do you think are some of the mistakes that we might be making as youth leaders when it comes to this idea of preparing our students for graduation? Yeah, I'll speak autobiographically to start with and talk about the mistakes that I made. If I could rewind time, what I would do differently. And the, the two biggest mistakes I made is I offered too little preparation and too late. Mm. So, you know, when I was a youth pastor, we offered two, two, two Sunday seminars for seniors. And we thought, (laughs) I mean, I like patted myself on the back and I thought, this is so awesome. And we offered them in like May in California. The second, the second semester senior. Exactly. Exactly. Preparation course. A couple weeks before graduation. Like (laughs) this is good timing. Um, And you know, that, that was probably bad back when I did it. And it's even worse now because of the pace of our youth group kids and graduates. And so the the two biggest mistakes youth group leaders make is it's too little too late. And Mm. what I'm hoping as a result of this podcast is that youth leaders realize they can start now and should start preparing youth group kids now, especially seniors for what they're going to face after high school. Yeah. So in reality, it's not a program, which is so often what it is, but it's just an integral part of your normal strategy. Absolutely. That isn't just for your upperclassmen or your seniors or even your high schoolers, but specifically even your middle schoolers, Mm. even looking back into to elementary, what are we doing? What are we doing now to help them finish strong and move on to the next phase? Yeah. And and I think it needs to be both. I think there needs to be specific preparation for just seniors, but Mm -hmm. I think beginning with the end in mind and thinking about the finish line should also change how we're acting and and discipling and teaching and mentoring and loving uh, kindergarten on up. Right. I can't wait to get into this. (laughs) I'm like so curious as to what advice you'd have for listeners who are specifically, obviously I'm advocating for middle school here, but (laughs) um, what we can do better in middle school to think beyond the finish line. Cause I think so often in life, it's not just that graduation isn't the finish line, but like marriage isn't the finish line when it comes to a student sexuality and right. a college scholarship or a college education isn't the finish line when it comes to a kid's future. And I think we make this mistake in so many areas, um, which I love Carol, when you mentioned just the holistic approach, cause I think it can help in a lot of 
these areas. Mm-hmm. So I want to give a, a, a real life example, a question that I got recently that I think really connects to what we're talking about here and kind of just get some of your thoughts on what this looks like. Because I'm assuming that most youth leaders that are listening have probably experienced this before. So I got this question. Hey, what do I do in this situation? I have a former graduate that just keeps coming to youth group. Oh yeah. They 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 won't go they won't go to to the young adult ministry, which is even exists. Which in some of our space. churches yeah. means churches eighteen to forty. Right, yep. right, yep. totally. So they're, is it helping them or hurting them to keep coming? Right. <laughs> so they they keep they keep coming to youth ministry. I don't I don't know what to do about that. So, you know, there is a, you know, there's a, what should you have done? And there's a, what can you do about that? But what are, what are your, some of your thoughts? I unfortunately came from a church that doesn't have a program. It's the 18 to 65 class that they go to. So like when my daughter comes home from college, where does she go? Yeah. Yeah, And, and I think there's a couple of different questions that swirl around this. Number one is what does the church need to offer that's specifically geared to those recently out of high school uh, in their college age or young adulthood, emerging adulthood? So that's one question. But I think you're asking a little bit more specifically, Brett, is should should youth group graduates still be allowed to be in youth group? And my answer is probably not. Hmm. Notice that's not a dogmatic no, right. but a probably not. And I think that has happened to me. And what I would try to do as a youth pastor when that happened is sit and talk with that individual, find out what draws them still to youth group, Mm -hmm. and then think with them about other, quite honestly, more appropriate ways that they can get those needs met. And so that might mean pointing them in the direction of another church. Mm -hmm. If they look Mm -hmm. around and they just go, there are, there's nobody else here between the ages of 19 and 25. Then I think quite honestly, I have to have enough of a kingdom mentality to realize that I can cheerlead for other congregations and maybe point this individual to other congregations that might have more peers for them to rub shoulders with. I think it's also important, um, for youth leaders who are really experiencing that tension to kind of look at their structure um, and figure out if they're having competing systems, Mm. meaning are they really setting up high school students to somehow integrate into the adult population of the church? Or is it like the high school youth group is meeting the same time the adult congregation meets, so there's never any mixing. So all of a sudden on graduation Sunday or whatever, they're no longer allowed to be going to youth group, but... They don't really know what it looks like for them to attend an adult service or a young adult service. That's really good. A lot of times we just aren't setting our graduates up for success. Right. Because we assume as youth leaders, my job is to help these students connect to to each other and to our youth ministry. Right. When in reality, that's that's not setting them up. For, for success. That's creating a system where then they graduate and they don't know how to assimilate into another right. church. Mm-hmm. They don't know what it is to be an adult in a church because they only know what it was like to be connected to their peers yep. kind of in this segregated, you know, community. And so what are what are some of the things that you have seen in the research that youth ministries have done that help students successfully make that transition? Yeah, great question. Um, but you know, as you were talking, Brett, you used the word segregated, and that's a verb I don't use lightly, mm. but it's very true with, mm. that that's what's happening to the generations in our churches. And from a research perspective, we looked at 13 different youth group participation variables, 13 things that the typical youth group will tend to offer high school students. And you'll all be glad to know that things like studying the Bible was correlated with mature faith in both high school and college. Being involved in students leadership was correlated with mature faith in both high school and college. Uh, Serving was correlated with mature faith. 
in both high school and college. But of all 13 variables, the one that we saw was most correlated with mature faith in high school and college was intergenerational relationships and mm. worship. So that, that begs the question, what are we doing to connect young people, not just with our youth group, but other adults mm. in the church outside a youth group? And that's where my good friend and colleague, Chap Clark, says a lot of brilliant things. But I think one of the most brilliant things he said is we need to reverse the five to one ratio. And what he means by that is a lot of times when we're thinking about events coming up, our upcoming small group structure, we think, hypothetically, we want one adult for every five young people. Right. Well, what we're saying out of our sticky faith research and chap says so well, is let's reverse that and have mm. five mm. adults investing yeah. in each young person. And I don't That's... mean five Bible study leaders. I don't mean <laughs> five small group leaders. We're all already recruiting enough. Um, <laughs> but instead what I mean, five adults who, as we say in our family, my husband and I say to our kids, five adults who are on your team, mm. five adults who you can go to when you struggle. Note, I said, not if you struggle, yeah. but when you struggle, whether it's in high school or college, five adults who are showing up at, at major events, who are coming to that basketball tournament, who are coming to see you in that play, five adults who know your name and are praying for you. Mm. And so, you know, I think that's one of the most important things that a, a youth pastor can do to help seniors and, and really young people of all ages have a mature faith is connect them with adults outside of our youth ministry. Mm. That's brilliant. I love that. And the good news is a youth pastor doesn't have to do this uh, by him or herself for all of the young people in their youth ministry. Ideally, they're partnering with parents, which is part of why I love Orange so much is because, you know, the values of Orange partnering with parents for the spiritual formation of young people, that so reflects our heart, our theology, our research at Fuller also, that ideally it's parents who are forming this team of adults. And the youth pastor steps in when a when a parent can't or won't or doesn't know how or et cetera, that's when a youth pastor steps in. But ideally, you're mobilizing parents mm-hmm. to create that web of support around their own kids. Hmm. So what do you think are some of the tensions that the youth leaders that we know today are leading ministries, Wednesday's coming, Sunday's coming, you know, great, I've got a group that graduates, but guess what? I've got a group of yeah. fifth graders that yep. are coming right behind or eighth graders that are coming right behind. Yep. So in in that sort of youth ministry reality, what are some of the tensions you think that they're wrestling with and they're going through? I think you've named one very clearly just in the question, Brett, Mm -hmm. and that is that in the midst of students graduating, we have incoming Mm -hmm. students. Mm -hmm. And so we're thinking about how do we help them get relationally connected and they're more immediately in front of us than our youth group graduates. I think another one is, you know, while I'm, I'm very much an advocate for intervening in senior year, in in many cases, actually, we need to move that starting point earlier and Mm. offer specific teaching, specific small group questions, et cetera, more in 10th grade or 11th grade. Because a lot of times young people are drifting about the time they get that driver's license, about the time extracurricular stuff um, picks up, about the time they're in multiple APs or jobs, or they just get so busy that church starts to become less of a priority. Mm. So I think that's, it's interesting. Even when we were trying to recruit youth group graduates for our sticky faith research, more often than not, a youth pastor would say, you know, well, I have 
let's just say I have, you know, six 12th graders, but I have like 29th graders <laughs> if you want to talk to them. Right. So, I mean, it was about that ratio. They had already experienced a great drift just from ninth to 12th grade. Yeah. So I think that's attention. We're talking about youth group, youth group graduates and seniors, but a lot of times they've already drifted ahead of yeah. time. Yeah. And that's hard for like a youth pastor to even keep them on their radar yeah. if they don't see them yeah. or if they don't have that connection. Uh, if it's awkward to try to reach out right? to them, you feel guilty as a youth pastor that they have drifted. Parents yeah. are maybe a little unhappy with you because their kids have drifted. And for some reason they're blaming you for that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's a lot of emotion wrapped up in that. All right. So I think that, you know, for, for us, we feel this in the, in the seats that we're in as, as parents or as youth leaders. And I think that the youth leaders listening, um, have also felt all of these tensions in some very real ways. So let's talk for a few minutes about some, you know, solutions, some resources, some ideas on how to, how to start changing what that research looks like. And instead of 50, it's 55, 65, 75, 85, a a much higher rate that I'm sure we'd be a lot more comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So in, in, in the research, what do some of those things look like, the solutions or resources that you've come across or been a part of? Yeah. You know, we at FYI, we've recently partnered with a team here at Orange to offer a resource that any church can use um, to fix another error that I made as a youth pastor myself, <laughs> if we can keep talking about all that I did wrong. We appreciate uh, yeah, your okay, oh, that, That's here, like a whole yeah. other podcast <laughs> there, Ashley. But, um, you know, I was often viewing seniors transition as one Sunday. And we, you know, we, we often called it Senior Sunday and, and, you know, we had the bulletin and we had the graduation gift and 12th graders would come on the platform of the worship service and we would all clap and blah, 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 blah. And I spent more time getting all the pictures I needed from seniors to put in the bulletin than I spent thinking <laughs> about how to actually prepare them for oh, what they man. were going to yes. face the week after. And so we at FYI in Orange, we wanted to fix that, that it's not just a Sunday, but it's a whole process. Yeah. And that's really what Senior Sunday is geared to do. Um, so we offer a lot of resources in there. There's, there's gatherings that youth leaders can use, scripts and questions that youth leaders can use. There's a bunch of conversation prompts for small group leaders, because small group leaders, they're so important in helping 12th graders think about what's coming next. Um, There's conversation guides for parents. I mean, Charlie, I'm sure you had awesome conversations with your daughter before she graduated. I really needed a handbook at that moment. (laughs) Well, yeah. And that's kind of what we're trying to give you, actually, is here are the questions you need to talk about with your graduate before they leave home or head to the workforce or the military. Um, We also offer a sermon script for senior pastors. Like if Mm. you want to do a whole Sunday, if you do want to do a Sunday, but make it not just five minutes while you know the seniors prance across the platform, but actually have this be a focus yeah. of nice. content and worship, etc. We give a whole package for that, um, as well as things to do with seniors when they're home for Thanksgiving break, when they're home mm-hmm. for Christmas break. So you re- mean their freshman year of college? Yes, thank you for clarifying. Yeah, their freshman year after they graduate. So you know this isn't just a Sunday in May or June. This needs to be multiple weeks, multiple want- months. Before and after our young people graduate. Yeah, another resource that I know that you've been involved with that kind of goes back to okay, what can we be doing when they're not just their senior year, but when they're younger to help prepare them for that transition? Um, and it's the Can I Ask That book. Yeah, absolutely. So talk a little bit about those and how those can be used, you know, before they get to their senior year to help prepare them for graduation. Yeah, I'm glad you raised that, Brett, because I mean, my own experience graduating from high school and going to college, I faced a lot of big questions about mm. life and worldview and faith, and I was pretty rocked. And that's not 
not unusual. And one of the big surprises of our sticky faith research is the role of doubt in a young person's faith formation. A lot of times we think doubt is inherently bad. That if right. a, a, a young person, a kid is asking tough questions about God, that means by definition they're drifting. That's not what we saw in our research. In fact, there was actually a correlation between young people um, feeling the freedom and having opportunities to ask tough questions and faith maturity. Yeah. Put more simply, it's not doubt that is toxic to faith, is it's silence. Yeah. yeah. So Un- unprocessed doubt. Unprocessed I think Marco doubt. said on a recent podcast. Mm-hmm. Unprocessed doubt is the issue, not doubt itself. Yeah, well, I I stack I stack hands with Marco on that because it needs to be processed. And so we actually have developed two different curriculum books. Can I ask that one and two? There's a leader guide and a student guide. I mean, I went through one of the books with my own son after mm-hmm. 10th grade and all mm-hmm. over the summer, and we went to Starbucks a number of times and just walked through the lessons. And I'm planning on doing the same with him with the second book um, before he goes to college because I just want to make sure he feels like he can talk about those questions with me. And what's interesting is there were a number of times where Nathan and I disagreed Hmm. and I was actually kind of glad for that because I told him, I said, you know, we're going to disagree about faith questions and I want us to know that that's okay and we can keep talking. And so we don't need to be scared of doubt or disagreement. We need to keep having the conversation. I think that's why we as uh, youth leaders really need to equip our small group leaders in how to have conversations that don't just discuss a topic or answer questions, um, because you can really answer questions about something you don't even believe in. (laughs) You know, it's really important as a small group leader or that your small group leaders are, are engaging kids in a conversation where they can ask questions, where they can debate with each other. They can hear differences of opinions. They can express their doubt. And that backs up all the way to middle school when they're learning how to have those kind of relationships with people who are older than them and people who are their peers. Yeah. And I'm so glad you backed it up to middle school. We We've also seen in our research, it even goes into elementary school. Mm. I mean, a really Mm. common narrative for our youth group kids and graduates is they would say something like, in third grade Sunday school, I asked my Sunday school teacher a tough question about, generally it was a natural disaster, why God would allow a hurricane, an earthquake, et cetera. And the Sunday school teacher basically shushed them. Mm. And what they learned from that Sunday school teacher's response is not only the church couldn't handle their tough questions, but more tragically, God couldn't handle their tough questions. And so that's something, I mean, from kindergarten on, I think we need to better prepare small group leaders and mentors to know how you respond. And I'll tell you one phrase that we recommend, because a lot of times kids ask questions we can't answer. Right. Yeah. I mean, that happens to me. Most I have a, of the time. I have, a PhD, <laughs> I have a PhD in practical theology and my 11 year old can stump me. Okay. So it <laughs> doesn't take much to stump me, but is to, to respond with this answer. When a young person asks us a tough question, I don't know, but... I don't know, but let's get together next week and talk about it. I don't know, but how about you, me, and somebody at our church who loves talking about science, let's get together and talk about it. I don't know, but here's what I have found to be true about Mm God. I mean, those are, that's an important phrase for any adult who's working with kids or teenagers to have in their hip pocket. And affirming the question, I think, too, adding that, like, that's a, you've done it actually a couple times to Brett. Like, that's a great question. I'm worried about Brett's doubts. I know. We're really trying to lift Brett up here. I'm praying Brett becomes a Christian <laughs> as a result of yeah, this book. I think are. you've modeled it really well. It's like, think. that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but you know, mm-hmm. I love that. And, mm-hmm. and that kind of all goes back to a conversation we we're having earlier is that preparing them for graduation isn't them checking certain boxes off. It's teaching them this exercise 
of being able to ask these kind of questions. Yeah. Yeah. So your goal is what I'm hearing as a parent isn't getting your son to align with you right. on all these things, but it's teaching him to be comfortable with the practice of asking questions and challenging himself yep. and going back and thinking, you know what? I don't know if this is, this is where I was with this, but now I'm not sure that that's where I am anymore. That's great. Some of the students that I had um, in my small group when they were in middle school are currently freshmen in college. And it's so interesting because their senior year of high school, what I noticed was they drifted away from me. They started like intentionally ignoring me or like, cause they didn't want to be held accountable for something yeah. they were doing or yeah. saying or who they were hanging out with. But what's so interesting is like it, they were invisible their senior year of high school. And then in the summer, all of a sudden, you know, they start re-engaging a little mm. bit and it's more like, oh, I, my dorm room's going to look like this. And then college started and all of a sudden I feel like they like regressed to like a sixth or a seventh grader. Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden they wanted to talk to me all the time yeah. again yeah. and they wanted to talk about these friendship decisions. Like, who am I going to live with my second year of college? Like, you know, like all these things that they all of a sudden wanted a coach for right. again. Yeah. And um, I just thought it was so interesting when, when the name of this is graduation isn't the finish line. I feel like I'm living that right now with yeah. these, these students of mine who are freshmen in college. Yeah, and you know what, that, uh, that resembles wealth. Another one of our research-based recommendations is that we as youth pastors think about the four years in high school plus one, or what we call four plus one. Um, and the idea being that that first year outside of high school, we do still need to have contact. We do still need to keep in touch. And in fact, we've actually seen data that, that keeping in touch does make a difference mm. in young people. Mm -hmm. Now they don't always respond like yours are that, you know, they might not always be sending pictures of their door room. Listen, it's, I'm talking about just a couple okay, of them okay, out of great. the, the okay. 15. Okay, got it. The got rest it. still haven't heard from Yeah. Them. Yeah. But <laughs> even if they're not responding for us to continue to keep in touch right. and send a text every once in a while that says, Hey, I'm praying for you. One of the things that we like to do in our family is send brownies mm. to students especially their mm. first year in college or again the military workforce just as a way to know hey we're still thinking of you and some creative youth pastors I love what they've done they involve their high school students in creating that care package mm. Ooh, that's cool. so on a that's Sunday a morning idea. Wednesday night or small groups do this you know they that, that's the that's the heart of their content so to speak is hey we're gonna we're gonna take care of our graduate mm -hmm. and so then that graduate gets this awesome care package in the mail and oh my goodness getting something in the mail is so exciting but um, you know not only does that send a great message to the graduate, but think about the message that sends to the current youth group students that, hey, you will not be forgotten when you graduate. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so there's all sorts of ways, you know, as simple as t a text, as complex as a care package, just to let our students know that we are there for them. And then I mentioned this earlier, but reaching out at Thanksgiving if they come home, Christmas if they come home that freshman year, mm -hmm. that's a prime time yeah. for us to just touch base with them, see how they're doing, see how they're feeling about their decisions. Mm -hmm. But when we do that, we have to come to terms with the reality that many of our students will have drifted. Right. They will be making moral choices that we wish they weren't. Mm -hmm. And so then we have to think about what kind of posture do we want to um, hold toward those students. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes that means that we have a little bit grayer boundary when it comes to, hey, I'm a youth pastor. I'm in charge of sixth through 12th grade. Yeah. Once they get to 12th grade, God bless them. I hope they do well, yep. but they're not my responsibility anymore. Yep. So, you know, that's a different strategy when I'm thinking about, okay, I'm, when I'm recruiting 
someone to be a freshman small group leader, I start having that conversation with them now. Like, hey, I know we live in a world that you might get transferred and move somewhere else, but the expectation and the goal is that you walk with them, not just for the next four years of high school, but we also, and this goes back to us, that we create the system, that we create the strategy to help them do this successfully. When your students graduate, we still want you to be walking alongside of them wherever they are for that year. And here's what that might look like. Yeah. And you got to be able to paint that picture because I think that that's such a hard thing for someone who's thinking about, wait, it's, it's Saturday in 2018. Like we're talking about 2023 <laughs> right now. We don't need you, you want for me to four be doing, years. We need you for you five. You want me to be doing what? And yeah. so I think that we have to step up our game to cast that vision of what that looks like and give them some handles on you know, hey, don't worry about that now. Your kids can't even drive. But this is kind of what that might look like in a few years. One of the things I love that Crystal Chang always talks about, and for those of you who don't know Crystal, she is the director of high school strategy here at Orange. And she's awesome. And mm -hmm. she's awesome. Absolutely. And also on many of these episodes. But something she always talks about is the importance of the year between Christmas of their senior year of high school and Christmas of their freshman year of college. Mm -hmm. And just how imperative it is that that student has people in their life who mm -hmm. are reaching out to them coaching them, caring for them, and cheering them on because that is when they're most susceptible to walking away from everything that they've been taught growing up. Hmm. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. You know, one of the ways that we've tried to frame that in the Senior Sunday resource is that youth pastors would help graduates identify one person, one cell phone number they can call or text mm. where they never have to lie. Hmm. That one, I mean, I guess we all need that, right? But that, especially for youth group seniors and headed into graduation, beyond graduation, where's that one place? When when you blow it, again, not if, but when you blow it, who is it that you can text or call the next mm -hmm. day and get some encouragement, um, have you think about the consequences and just empathize with you in that process? Hmm. Brett, I think what you mentioned about starting to talk to volunteers about that that year after graduation is so important because I think, you know, as youth ministry leaders, you're so desperate for volunteers oh, all the right. time. And you're like, yay, I get this whole batch to take on the freshmen that yeah. I just absorbed. You're here for three months. Awesome. Yeah. 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 And it's like, so that really means as ministry leaders, we have to be recruiting even more people, yeah. but really encouraging those leaders to maybe they're not, you know, volunteering on a weekly basis in the church, but they are you know, connecting with those right. graduated um, seniors or their freshmen in college, I guess it is, um, while they're living life. And so it's like, it just is like a transition of what that volunteer role looks like. Yeah. But that really becomes a big challenge too. Yeah. I, I'm sure all our listeners. I love the four plus one idea. I think that's really great and imperative. But what happens when the student and the small group leader have had a disagreement and they can't get past this tension anymore hmm. because they didn't agree on a subject? Yeah. So what happens then? What Can you give us a flavor for what kind of subject they're disagreeing on? Because that would probably impact my answer. One of them is a Patriots fan. Oh, okay. Well, that's So we're that's talking enough. some serious issues that you can't just get Yeah, back. those are not overcomable. I'm with you, Brett. <laughs> I love the Patriots, right? But what if you don't? But what if the small group leader and the student have really disagreed about something big, like homosexuality in the church, yeah. mm -hmm. and they just can't resolve this issue? So now you have a freshman in college who no longer has that person that they shared a meal with every Sunday night since sixth grade. Yeah. If I was a youth pastor in that situation, what I would probably do is I would go to that young person's parents. Because, see, parents 
often understand the relational community mm-hmm. of teenagers and young adults more than we as a youth pastor might. And there could be an aunt, there could be a neighbor, there might be somebody at our church who's really connected with this young person who I don't even know about as a youth pastor. Mm-hmm. So I would probably go to that person's parents and say, hey, I'm sensing a drift. I mean, I wouldn't want to betray why necessarily, but I'm sensing a drift between your child and their small group leader. And I would really love to connect your child with another adult or maybe have you mm-hmm. connect your child with another adult. Here's why it's important. Who do you think that adult might be? And see what the parents suggest. And then ideally the nudge the parent to move forward and just ask that adult to reach out to their 18-year-old and try to reestablish, rekindle a relationship that already exists but just needs a little a few sparks. Yeah. It makes me think of our the fifth lead small principle, which is move them out, and just the importance of not having the same small group leader sixth or twelfth grade for when this kind of thing happens. Hmm. Like the importance of having an adult in their life through their elementary years, through their middle school years, through their high school years, and even if you can have two adults in each of those seasons, yeah. Yeah. so that when they move them out, meaning move them to the next season and the next group of adults who are going to pour into them, that if they do have a fallout with one, there's five or six other, you know, adult leaders in their life who have invested in some way. Yeah. What my gut reaction is, well, that daggone small group leader needs to get over it. Right. Gosh, I know. As a mom, I was like, what? (laughs) Because as, as a youth leader, what I would always tell our small group leaders. Now it changes when they get a little bit older. Like I'm, I'm all right with a healthy degree of those kind of conversations, those back and forths for seniors, a lot more so than I am with seventh graders. But as small group leaders, we need you to be question askers, not answer givers. We need you to be, you know, pushers of thought, not givers of, of thought. And so my conversation, if it's the if it's the small group leader coming to me and saying like, hey, to be honest, I just don't feel comfortable continuing this relationship. We have a theological disagreement. <laughs> my, my response would be like, yeah, we probably do too. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> we probably have multiple. Like, this yeah, is right? a, like I, don't, I don't understand why, why this, is, this is a barrier. Do, do you want this person you've invested in to have a healthy transition into college, yes or no? Does their, you know, does your disagreement with with mm. them about this have anything to do with you wanting? You know what I mean? And they, yeah. And some people might say yes, and you might have to, you know. Well, disagree, the relationship but. might not be salvageable. I mean, at this point, yeah. so I, I they there even if the small group leader wants to walk back over the bridge, it's true. There might have been too much damage done. So. Not a hurt. But I think it's when you go back to the five and one yeah. mm-hmm. that that's so yeah. key and for so sure. important for sure. that they have other adults who love them, care for them and will invest in them when the small group leader isn't able to yeah. anymore. And I'll tell you, as a parent, I'm saying with my kids that that five can shift to your point. And sometimes mm. the kids who sometimes the adults who my kids were close to in seventh or eighth grade, they've Mm -hmm. for some reason drifted. They're no longer on that sports team. The adult has moved, we've moved, you know, whatever it might be. And so, I mean, Dave and I, my husband and I, we've just been talking about this recently. Like let's reevaluate our kids five. And so I think for us as youth leaders, we need to keep that message in front of parents. And we can't assume just because our kid was attached to uh, an adult or two or five that they're still attached. Yeah. That's good. So we've got the four and one. Yeah. We've got the five Five and one. One, yeah. We've got the three and one, the Trinity. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Got nice. Father, Son, That'll Holy preach. Spirit. I love we've how got you the, worked that We've in. got the two and one, 
Two will become one flesh, a married right. couple. Okay. Okay. So what's so the, the six and one, the seven and one? Are we, are we, are there? I'm not asking. The only question I'm wondering is, so if graduation isn't the finish line, what is? Hmm. Like. Death. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, like, I hate to be morbid, but I think it's, I think it's heaven and being with Jesus. So, you know, I, I, I think we're always thinking about long term. Hmm. Listen, I just saw my second grade teacher about three weeks ago. Do you know she still writes me cards Aww. and comes to see me? No so, way. Yeah, second grade teacher. That is a hero. She still loves me well. That's remarkable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel guilty. I need to go write some cards. Some text. <laughs> Excuse me. You're like, add that to the list of mistakes I made <laughs> yeah, as a youth exactly. leader. Now I have a third. <laughs> Big mistake I made. So on that note of shame, yes. as we wrap up the yes. conversation. <laughs> yes. Are there any any final thoughts or encouragements we would give to youth leaders sitting in their office, riding in their car, now really questioning in the second semester of their current senior's year, what do I need to do? Okay, I will say this. Uh, Again, adding to the mistakes that I made, I was one of the youth pastors who gave seniors a Bible Hmm. um, and thought that was an awesome graduation gift. And maybe, maybe it is for your seniors. I will say, as I look back, the seniors who received that Bible probably already had one or more Bibles. And I really have no evidence that that Bible was ever opened after graduation Sunday. And so um, I love what we've learned from other youth pastors who they don't give a Bible, they give a $10 Starbucks gift card or Mm. a $10 coffee house gift card and say to that graduating senior, take an adult out for coffee. And I just think that's such a better graduation gift. Mm. So whatever you're thinking about, if you want to give seniors something for graduation, if you want your church to show you tangibly care, as much as I love books, I don't think a book is the answer. Let's make it's something more relational. That's my final piece. Love it. I think as a youth pastor whose plate was really full, the idea of the ministering to college students was really hard for me. Yeah. But I think it could be as simple as a card in the mail. Yep. Simple as a text. Hey, how are you? Just thinking about you. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think we all have the capacity to do something as simple as that. Well, especially in the day and age we live with technology mm-hmm. and it's social media, it's right. so much easier. For sure. Yeah. Awesome. And, and I would say the more comfortable we get, with allowing them to graduate with a messy faith Good. rather than a, um, a boxed faith. Yep. And setting them up with the skills to wrestle with faith rather than just define faith. Good. I think that those can, be, those can be helpful things. So thank you, Kara, so much for hopping in with us in this conversation. And you heard it here, folks. Graduation is not the finish line. It is when your youth are dead. Uh, <laughs> Cheery, Brett. So, <laughs> just, I'm just wrapping just up the conversation. End that. <laughs> just, just bringing it back yeah. to the focus of what it was. Oh boy! Thank you guys so much for joining us for the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, we would love for you to subscribe wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, we would love for you to leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing, if this is helping you, how it's helping you, what we can do to make this podcast better. And finally, for more great resources, we would love for you to check out the show notes for this episode at rethinkingym.org. You're going to see links to the Senior Sunday product that we've been talking about 
about, you're gonna see links to Can I Ask That, Growing Young, Sticky Faith, the Fuller Youth Institute webpage that Kara's involved with, all sorts of resources that are gonna be really helpful for you to have this sort of conversation and to figure out what this strategy is gonna look like for you. And as a matter of fact, I think we're gonna give away a Senior Sunday product. Ooh, how cool. Yeah, so if you wanna get in on that giveaway, then follow us on Instagram at xp3students for more info on how to get your hands on that. And if you don't win, you can just buy it because it's worth it. So until next time, I am Brett. I'm Charlie. I'm Ashley. Oh, and I'm Kara. And thank you all so much for hanging out.